Well, hello and good morning, everybody. Great to see you. Uh, my name is uh, Josh, part of the team here, and a special welcome to kids and youth who are joining us. Uh, I'm sure you're excited to be in with us. I'm excited to have you, and hopefully you've got those sheets that Tamar was uh, talking about. We're talking uh, today about uh, life-changing days. Well, we're starting to talk today. This is the series that we're going to be doing um, over the, these holiday weeks and into next term in the lead up to Christmas. Life-changing days, a day that makes uh, a difference, something tangible changes, and time after it, is different to as it was before. I wonder if you've had a life-changing day before. If you're doing a blue sheet, you might have already thought of something in the top right-hand corner. But perhaps you've had a life-changing day when you won the lottery. Has anyone won the lottery? No, probably don't say actually, or people will be coming up to you for money. But um, that could be a life-changing moment, or it could be something different. It could be you start a new job, a life-changing day, or you, you end a job that you've done for some time. It could be a, a day when you hear someone close to you, dear to you, has died. It could be when a baby first enters the world, perhaps as a child or a grandchild or a sibling, that changes things. Or perhaps... It's a day when you learn what your exam marks are. That could be a life-changing day. The day that you finally achieve something you've been trying to do for ages. The day you find out your friend is going to a different school or uni than you. Or the day that something big changes with your health. These life-changing days, concrete things that make life different. That's what we're looking at in this series. And of course, the God of the universe is involved in all of our life-changing days. And he's involved in every little moment of our lives. Uh, this is his world that we live in. And over these weeks, we're going to look at some different characters in the first chapters of Luke. And we're going to look at how Jesus meeting them changed how they looked at their life-changing days. And I hope that as we go, we'll see our life-changing days with fresh eyes to see what God is doing in them and to see how Jesus' good news is part of each of them. And the day we're looking at today, well, it was a life-changing day for two senior citizens in Jerusalem, Simeon and Anna. Now on this day, Simeon and Anna had been waiting to see a baby. Now, I don't know if they were waiting, like which one of our volunteers from earlier. But Simeon and Anna, they see this baby and they praise God. It's the day they've been waiting for. And I just want to draw your attention and zoom in on the attitude that Simeon has on this massive day. Simeon has been told that he is not going to die until he sees this baby. Look what he says in verse uh, 29. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. Right, so he sees this baby. He's been waiting for I don't know how long. And practically at that moment, this changes in his life. His death is now imminent, right? His moment of departing has 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 come or is near. There's nothing between him and his departure. And yet he's ready to dis be dismissed in peace, it says. I wonder if that's how you feel when you think about death. In a, in a group 
like this here. Um, I'm sure there's people who have no doubt thought a lot about death and people who haven't thought much about it as, as well uh, because of experience and age. I um, spoke to a 91-year-old I met in a park during the week who'd uh, just been recently diagnosed with cancer. And so he knew that he had possibly months and not years left. So it was top of his mind. I was talking to someone else who was a lot younger, someone who um, had just realised that kind of statistically speaking, they have probably hit about halfway point in their life. I don't know, but they were thinking, oh man, I think I've got about half left to go. But can you imagine getting to that moment, that day, when death, you know, it becomes a, a kind of a close reality for you and feeling not fear or regret or anger or disappointment, but an overriding sense of peace. I'm sure there's people here who, you know, this seems a really long way off and haven't really thought about it at all. It probably is a long way off. But peace is something that's elusive on other days too, on other life-changing days. When you uh, have a life-changing day in a negative sense, do you feel peaceful? When you learn some bad news, is that how you uh, approach it? When things haven't gone, at, gone as you planned, do you feel peace? When you feel that everything's against you, is there an overriding sense of peace? Simeon says, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. Wouldn't that be an amazing thing to be able to, to say and to mean? Wouldn't it be amazing if that peace were, were real and dependable? And today we're looking at how to have peace on a life-changing day. This is uh, where we're going. Hopefully it'll come up on the screen. We'll see that actually a sense of peace is dependent on an objective, deep peace that God's working in our world. And we'll see that to get that deep peace, we need salvation. We need Jesus. And only then can we return to making that peace personal on those life-changing days of ours. So in this passage, as we've spoken about, there were two peaceful senior citizens. Now, Simeon had been waiting for a long time, we assume. He was probably quite old. We don't know how old. Anna was very old. Now, um, it says, it's a bit unclear exactly how old she was. So I need someone, is there anyone here who's decent at maths um, up to about 100? Anyone can do maths at that kind of, okay, I'll give you the, I'll give you the stats. So it's likely that Anna was uh, alive for 84 years after her husband died. Okay, we've got 84. It's likely, well, it says there she was married for seven years. You're adding that up in your head. And we guess have to work out how old was she when she got married. Probably in these days, we're very young. So we'll go conservatively low, maybe around 13, 14, maybe something like that. How, how old is Anna, potentially? Yes. 104. Yeah, I think that's, that's very good. So she's, she's either 84 or 104. She's very old. She's been waiting a long time, right? And Simeon and Anna, they meet this baby, and the peace that they have isn't merely a warm kind of feeling, seeing a cute baby, who I assume was cute. We, we don't know, but maybe, I don't know, Jesus was probably a cute baby, I'm not sure. But they're waiting for more than a cuddle, right? Simeon is waiting for the consolation of Israel, that's what he says in verse uh, 25. That's what he's waiting for, or the comfort of Israel, to use different words. 
Anna, it says, was talking all about the redemption of Jerusalem. Verse 38. This baby, they said, brings it. This concept of comfort, of redemption, this had developed throughout Israel's history in what the prophets had said was coming, particularly in the prophet Isaiah. We heard a little from Isaiah 40 earlier. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. That's how it starts. See, Israel represents the story of our world. They are God's chosen people asked to live in the world as his representatives, living good and whole and peace-filled lives as he's intended it, in good relationship with each other and the world and with God. Our God is good. That's what he's made us for. That's what the people of Israel were supposed to be. But they hadn't listened to him. They'd not trusted what he had said was good for them. And we've seen a taste of that over the last weeks as we've read about uh, Saul and how he listens or doesn't listen to God. And so the just God had judged them. They'd been taken as prisoners out of the land that God had given them. And by this stage, some had returned, but they were physically in the land and life wasn't as it should be. It was, they were still under occupation. They still had difficulty. There was still hardship. There was still death. That's the position that Simeon and Anna were in. They were in the land, not living the life that God had promised. They were in the land, but things weren't as they knew they should be. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received double from the Lord's hand for her sins. See, the message that Simeon, that Anna would have known and read and hoped in from prophets like Isaiah was that God's judgment on his people, that was not the end. This exile was not the end. The sins would be paid for. Redemption was coming and with it hope for the world. This wasn't just talking about like a personal sense of calm, right? Despite what's going on around you. Now, this hope for the consolation of Israel was hope for the world being as it should be, for everything to be put right, for sin, for death to be defeated, for life. This is the kind of peace, the kind of comfort that you can anchor in. It's external to you, so you can hold on to it, regardless of what's happening in your life. Um, we were having dinner at a surf club up on the central coast a few years ago. And while we were having dinner, we were watching this boat sort of sail south. A sailboat looked quite nice out there. Beautiful sunset. This isn't actually my picture. I wish it was. Um, but it, the, the, the sky did look a bit like that. But we were watching this boat and then I actually went for a run the next morning. Yep, I do some fitness sometimes. And I went for a run and I saw this boat like kind of like that, on the rocks. And this guy who had been on the boat, like surrounded by all this wet gear sitting on the beach so it wouldn't get stolen. Now, no one was hurt, so I can put your minds at ease. But what had happened when I talked to this guy is that um, they'd sort of tried to put the anchor down. I don't know exactly what had happened, but while they'd kind of been asleep, it hadn't worked. And the boat had sort of been sort of pushed and then it had gone onto the rocks. And um, no one was hurt, but the boat was, not really functional anymore. 
That's the thing. If you're anchored somewhere, then you might sort of move slightly around from that point, but you're not going to go far. You stay connected. You're not going to hit the rocks. You need something to anchor to. I don't know what the problem with his anchor was, but if it was on sand, it wouldn't have worked. You need something solid. You need deep and real peace to anchor to. This is the kind of peace that Simeon has. Simeon could be dismissed uh, in peace on the inside because he believed that peace was real and coming on the outside, that it was certain that comfort was coming, that in fact it had arrived. Don't we yearn for that kind of peace? Right, a kind of peace that's really sturdy, that's not shaken when we get bad news. When we get news, when we realise well, we're going to die. Or when we experience days that seem like death to us, when things uh, don't go how we planned, when things are not as we would like. A peace that's solid, knowing that it's going to be okay, that it's going to be more than okay. It's going to be good. How do we get that peace? Well, Simeon says, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation. That's the reason he gives, that he can go in peace. Simeon and Anna, they've just seen a baby who's probably 40 days old, right? It's a month-old baby. And in this baby, they see salvation, Salvation is the root to peace. Salvation is something that you need from, from outside of yourself. In order to get deep peace, we need help. You need help. I need help. See, people who have true peace are like a turtle on a fence post. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen a turtle on a fence post. I haven't either. I couldn't actually find a photo, so I, I got AI to create one. <laughs> I'm, I'm serious. That's actually AI. That, I know, it's amazing. Anyway, don't look too close at it. But if you do see a turtle on a fence post, there's one thing you know for sure. It didn't get there itself or himself. Turtles have feelings too, sorry. The turtle cannot get up to the fence post on its own. Right? Someone has lifted it there. The turtle needs help. We need help. People who have true peace are like a turtle on a fence post. And we can see why we need help and the kind of help we need in the special symbols that Mary and Joseph came to Jerusalem to kind of participate in, like all good Jews would. God had given his people these reminders that reminded them of the story of Israel, of the story of our world to remind them that they needed salvation. Have a look back at verse uh, 22. Uh, when the time of their purification, according to the law of Moses, had been completed. The first reason Mary and Joseph came to Jerusalem was this law about purification after childbirth. Uh, there's a whole chapter on it in Leviticus 12, if you'd like to read that. But God had given his people rules about all kinds of things that could make you unclean or impure for a time. A status uh, which, if you had it, you couldn't go into the temple. You couldn't uh, approach God. It was a very physical, symbolic thing. 
And the things that kind of separated you from God, made you impure, were often things he couldn't control even. Things like giving birth, types of skin diseases, mold, different bodily emissions, often actually things that are associated with life and death. It wasn't so much that these were morally right or wrong things, but rather indicators that there was a big gap between people and God in how our world currently is, that the system is broken, that it needs fixing. See, the system of purity, it was really a sign of a broken world. And we don't have that system anymore, but we, we know that we are in a broken world. We know that there are lots of things that happen to us uh, that happen outside of our control. Decay, death, other people's sin. These are things that rob us of the possibility of deep peace. We need salvation from that broken world. The second reason that Mary and Joseph came to Jerusalem was to uh, consecrate uh, the firstborn son. Now, this was a reminder to the Israelite people about how they were rescued from Egypt when they were slaves there at the price of the firstborn son. Uh, during that uh, first Passover uh, in Moses' day, all the firstborn sons in Egypt uh, were killed on one night. But the firstborn sons of Israel were passed over uh, when the blood of a lamb was painted onto the doorpost of their houses. And since then, the Israelites had been told, all your firstborn sons need to be uh, redeemed, paid for, as a reminder. The firstborn son, that was the cost of freedom, the cost of redemption for slave, uh, from slavery for God's people. And that slavery that was kind of physical and literal in Egypt came to represent God's people's slavery to sin. That is, when we're left to our own devices, our default position is to reject God, to want to live without him. And the Bible says we're enslaved to sin. And, and so we're, we're sort of naturally strangers to the best relationship in the world uh, with our loving creator. And the Bible's story is that sin is the root cause of all the lack of peace in our world, of the suffering, the pain, the wages of sin, the Bible says, is death. And so we've got these symbols that kind of show our need for salvation from outside of ourselves. We need help. If the need for purification spoke more of kind of the brokenness of our world uh, that's outside of us, the firstborn son kind of redemption price speaks of the brokenness of ourselves within. And so Jesus' parents came to the temple doing these Jewish rituals, symbols that explained our need for salvation. That's the route to peace. To get peace, that full, beautiful comfort that we talked about, we need a rescue from the biggest of things, things that we can't rescue ourselves from, a broken world and our broken selves. People who are truly peaceful are like a turtle on a fence post. You know, Simeon and Anna, they knew that. They knew they needed help and that this baby was going to bring it. And so as he holds that child, that's what Simeon sees. He says, my eyes have seen your salvation. He knows that this is the Lord's Messiah, the one who would fulfill those symbols, bring about these promises. And though he wasn't around to see it, we don't think, but Jesus became a man. 
He ate with and hung out with unclean people. He healed people from impure illnesses, showing that he was the answer to that. And he was the redemption price, the the ultimate firstborn son, not just for the redemption from slavery to Egypt, but from our slavery to sin. That's what Jesus brings. And yet it is really difficult to accept that you need that help, that you need salvation. It's difficult to keep kind of trusting that and keep remembering that that's true. It's difficult to allow someone else to to lift you onto the fence post. Simeon has more to say. He, He blesses Mary and Joseph and explains this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. So it's difficult to, 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 to accept that you need salvation. Many in Israel, uh, particularly religious leaders in Jesus' day, they wouldn't accept him. They wouldn't accept that they needed salvation. They, they fell. And many who were considered weak or lowly, they got Jesus and the need for salvation. And they, they rose. And Jesus is polarizing. You either trust him or you don't trust him. There's no middle ground. But Simeon is sure that this baby is in fact God's salvation, that deep peace is sure. And and that's the secret. That's the secret to Simeon saying, I can go in peace. Simeon didn't actually see Israel be finally comforted. He didn't live to see all things set right. But his trust in what God had told him meant that on that life-changing day, his focus wasn't on his, his, his age or on his own death, but it was on this objective salvation that he saw in front of him. He was anchored in the future. And so he could could make peace personal. This deep peace that uh, needs to be a place for our anchors is a future peace. It's, It's certain, it's not instant. Simeon has seen the consolation of Israel and yet he dies. Mary is called blessed And yet, uh, Simeon tells her that a sword will pierce her own heart. Simeon foresees that as Jesus' mother, Mary is going to suffer grief as Jesus suffers and dies. There's a hint here of this strange design of God's salvation. Comfort through judgment, joy through grief. This objective, deep peace is certain, but it's not instant. But it's that certainty that makes personal peace possible. See, Simeon had certainty just from seeing this baby. And yet we've got so much more than that. We've uh, seen Jesus grow up. We've seen the amazing things he's taught and done. We've seen his amazing death. We've seen his glorious resurrection. So to bring about personal peace, we need to focus on the objective peace anchored in the future. Remind yourself of it. Encourage others. Be encouraged. Bathe in it. Soak yourself in it. Reread it. Read it in Isaiah. Read it in the Gospels. And know this, even if you don't feel peaceful, even if you do fear death, even if your stomach does kind of tend to drop out when something goes wrong in life, that doesn't change the deep peace that Jesus has won and that this little baby, tiny and fragile, would bring I just want to finish um, with some words actually written down by um, uh, a member of our church family, um, a lady who is nearing the end of her life and who has a deep trust in Jesus. Let me read to you her words. 
Despite the deficiencies on my side, God knows me. He loves me. He cares for me and he goes before me. He has had a plan for my life and he has won for my death. And I know Jesus died so that I could have eternal life with him. If I get dementia, I may forget him, but he will not forget me and he will be with me all the way, no matter what the end of my life is like. He will be there in all his love and glory when it is over. And then I will see him as he is. That's peace. Let's uh, pray. Um, Father, thank you so much for the, I guess, the deep peace that you bring to our world through Jesus. Help us see its certainty more and more and pray that you'd help uh, us have peace as we trust in him. Amen.